welcome to another edition of Innova Health Chat from Innova Health System. Today we're talking about the science of blood donation and why it's so important for volunteers to donate. We'll talk to Terry Craddock, Senior Director of Innova Blood Donor Services, and we'll also hear from Stephanie Snapkowski, whose young son Drew has relied on donated blood as he's treated for leukemia. about why blood donation is so very important. Blood donation plays an integral role in patient care. We cannot treat our patients and do all of the complex procedures and treatment plans without donated blood from the donors. Blood is a voluntary gift from the, don from the donors to the patient and currently there is no substitute for human blood. The only way to get that is from donors. One amazing fact that I, I heard right before we started was that every two seconds, someone in the United States needs donated blood. That's amazing to me. So while we're sitting here, you know, the number of people that, that would need it. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So people don't really realize how often blood is part of a treatment plan. For trauma patients, they might never make it to the OR to have that life-saving surgery without the blood that's um, transfused in the emergency room. For cancer patients, they receive a lot of blood products through the course of their, their treatment. It might be one unit of red blood cells every week, it might be a unit of platelets every week, but over a long period of time, they will use a significant number of blood products. Our cardiac patients who are on ECMO which stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. I'm glad you had to say that and not me. <laughs> they are sustained with blood products. They could not um, receive that treatment without blood products. So, you know, it might just be one unit of blood. It might be a trauma patient who gets 20 units of blood when they hit the emergency room. So most many procedures that are done in the hospital rely on blood. One of the other facts that I was just sitting here reading was a single car accident victim can require as many as a hundred pints of blood. So at, at, at various um, uh, blood donation uh, events that you have, what, what's kind of the average, average number of pints of blood that you get? So we actually need to collect about 200 pints of blood every day. Um, unfortunately, it's not a nice, steady 200 units every day. One day it might be 100, the next day it might be 300. Uh, yesterday we had a wonderful event at Innova Fairfax Medical Campus where we collected 176 units of blood from, from visitors and our Innova employees. Um, but then there are days where you know, we struggle to get 70 people in the door. So it, it, it's tough when you think that maybe 70 people donated today, but we transfused 100 units on one patient. That's, that's really hard. It's very hard to always have that nice, steady, we call it a safe, pure, potent, and adequate supply of blood. Um, it's, it's difficult to make that happen. 
So I, I want to go back a little bit because you were talking about the different types of blood products and um, the fact that blood transfusions aren't just for treating accident victims. Um, we have obviously the level one trauma center at Fairfax, um, but I'm not sure that everyone understands what the different type of, when, when they donate blood, what the different types are. So if you want to talk about that a little bit, that would be great. Sure. Probably about 80% of our collections are whole blood. Whole blood is comprised of red blood cells, platelets, and plasma. Uh, we also collect what we call single donor platelets, where we'll hook a donor up to a machine, pull off their platelets, and give them everything else back. And patients who are bleeding, who have um, whose bone marrow has been suppressed, for instance, by chemotherapy, they need those platelets to stay alive, otherwise they will bleed to death. Um, we also collect what we call um, frozen plasma within 24 hours. So certain patients require plasma products. Um, and then, you know, patients who are anemic, um, who don't have enough red blood cells, we replace their red blood cells, which are the oxygen-carrying component of your blood. So Terry, while we're on the subject of how, how blood transfusions aren't always for just treating accident victims, there is a really, really innovative program out there called the FACTOR program, and I'm going to let you say what it stands for, but do you want to talk about that a little bit because it involves uh, blood products? Sure. So the FACTOR program is, is really a new program that has just gone into effect in 2019. FACTOR stands for Field Available Component Transfusion Response Program. So what we're trying to do is to start transfusions earlier in the field. There's a lot of evidence to show for a certain patient population that the earlier you can start transfusing them, the better their outcomes will be. So. For this program, it's really for um, like a really bad car accident or maybe a building collapse or something where there's a prolonged confinement and it's taking a long time to get to the victims, that if we can start transfusing blood while we're trying to extricate them from the accident scene, that they have a better chance of survival um, once they hit the hospital or hit the trauma bay. So it's, it's pretty new, it's pretty exciting. Um, there is some criteria for when we would activate the FACTOR program. Um, usually it's, it's a conf prolonged confinement, confinement and there's gotta be a pretty good likelihood of um, survival once the victim is um, taken to the trauma bay. So it's, it's pretty exciting. We learn a lot, of, a lot of things from the battlefield, and this is one of them, that the earlier we can transfuse um, blood products for those who need it, the better outcomes they will have uh, once they reach the hospital. Well, that's fabulous. I mean, as I understand it, the program is available to first responders in Fairfax and Loudoun County right now, but other departments are being invited to take part. Right. Right now, uh, what happens is if they activate the... Factor program, for instance, at the Fairfax Hospital Medical Campus, the blood bank will immediately um, put together uh, these coolers um, of blood products. So in the cooler will be red blood cells, platelets, and plasma. 
and they will go out to the scene. Um, so that's available from Fairfax Hospital, which is a level one trauma center, as well as Loudoun Hospital, which is a level three trauma center. We do hope to expand the program um, as we move along. Uh, the, the, the best thing that can happen to be able to expand these programs is to have more donors coming through the front door so that we have more blood products going out the back door for all these different types of um, needs that are out there. So talk a little bit about um, the blood types. So in my family, we've got a couple of different blood types. And, and in our, our family, it's been you know, a priority to know what your blood type is for lots of different reasons. I mean, you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, do folks still, do you think the majority of the population knows what their blood type is, has that with them in case there's any kind of an emergency? Uh, I don't think so. I think only if you have had a reason to, to have your blood typed or if you're a blood donor or probably the only way that you know what your blood type is. So there are eight different blood types. Um, obviously O positive is the most common blood type. It's about 37% of the population. Uh, it's what we need the most of because most of our patients are O positive. Mm -hmm. In addition, O positive Patients can only get O positive and O negative um, red blood cells. So O negative is about 7% of the population. It's also the universal donor where anybody can receive O negative um, blood. It's what is out in our helicopters. It's what sits in the emergency release refrigerators in the uh, trauma bays as well as labor and delivery and in our ORs. So if we don't have time to type a patient, they'll receive O-negative blood. I think I said O-negative blood is about 7% of the population and we transfuse it at about a 12% rate. So obviously we're always in a shortage situation with O-negative. All right, let's, let's flip over to Stephanie um, and talk with her a little bit about um, her experience. Um, your son, Drew, um, is, is one of the reasons why donating blood is so important. He was diagnosed at age five with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. I hope I said that correctly. You didn't. <laughs> Can you share a bit about his treatment? Sure. As you mentioned, Drew was diagnosed about three months before his fifth birthday, and he'll be in treatment for uh, just about two days before his ninth birthday. So in December of last year, Drew finished nine months of frontline treatment, and this is where his immune system was extremely compromised. He missed half of kindergarten and half of first grade to protect him from life-threatening illnesses, and he spent about 60 days combined in the hospital. Now he is in a maintenance phase, which is a much easier treatment phase, um, but we have to go through that for two and a half years to ensure we get every single last leukemia cell. Um, even in maintenance, Drew takes adult-sized doses of steroids, methotrexate. He was just moved from monthly to quarterly spinal taps where chemo is injected in his spine. He takes a daily chemo pill and um, has uh, chemo injected through his port once a month. And then he also will receive a preventative antibiotic because with such a compromised immune system, you're more apt to um, receive pneumonia. So talk about how um, donor blood has played a role in his treatment. Um, donor blood, quite honestly, has saved his life. So um, chemotherapy doesn't discriminate between healthy blood cells and 
cancerous blood cells, so it just basically kills everything. And there's been many parts, especially when he was in the frontline phase of treatment where Drew's relied on um, whole blood cells, as was discussed previously. Um, also, there was times where he would have a simple injection and would continue to bleed for an hour. And in those cases, we would know that his platelets were low. Um, so he's received many platelet um, transfusions. And then in addition, um, his antibiotics, a secondary part of his immune system, have remained compromised. So he relies heavily on IVIG infusions. So IVIG, um, for our audience, is intravenous immune globulin is a blood product that contains antibodies and helps people with weakened immune systems fight off infection. So you talked a little bit about um, how, how this plays a role, but do you want to expand on that just a little bit more? Sure. So IVIG is a blood product that's prepared from a serum between 1,000 and 15,000 donors in each batch. So that's a lot of donors for a very important blood, blood product. So when the blood product is low, obviously IVIG levels are low. So how's he doing now? He's doing good. Um, recently, he had uh, some low IVIG levels, and it was at a time where our blood supplies were very low, so he had to wait on that infusion. Um, I can't 100% say that it was tied to the fact, but very shortly after we were told his levels were low and he couldn't get that IVIG infusion, um, he became very sick and ended up in the hospital for three days. So he's just very um, apt to catching something from someone else. So we need to make sure when those levels are low, and the blood supply is not available that we keep him protected. Wow. Well, your experience inspired you to create the Drew Strikes Back Blood Drive. Um, why did you decide to take that step and, and when you've already had so much going on with your tre Drew's treatments? Yeah, I think um, I had reflected on a blood drive that we had done at work a couple of years prior to Drew being diagnosed and someone had asked me if I had time to donate blood and I think there was just probably certain fear for needles and just a busy work day that prevented me from doing so. And I, I look back now at how selfish that decision was. And I think about if a coworker had, had walked into my office with their seven-year-old son and said, can you come with me for 30 minutes to save his life? I probably would have made a different decision. So now we feel very passionate about informing and educating the public on why blood donation is so important and being able to use Drew and many of his friends as an example. Well, it sounds to me like you are an expert in organizing a blood drive, so you want to talk a little bit about what's involved with that? Yeah, and I think once we hosted our first blood drive, um, I'm so honored that many of our friends and family have kind of taken the lead and done that, done so themselves without us leading the effort. So we've had Drew's Daycare organize a blood drive. We've had um, friends at a community pool event organize a blood drive. We've had folks that were just having a fun outing at a golf tournament make sure that they had a blood mobile there. And for the individuals running the blood drive, there's there's very, very little work that's required. I think the team here is our pros at setting it up. They'll provide you with the link. They send everyone out. They have the snacks. They have the giveaways. Um, anyone that's willing to host a blood drive just has to commit to having 35 individuals there. I hope that's the right number. That's perfect. Okay. And <laughs> the more the merrier. The more the merrier. Um, and then, you know, it's just a matter of just getting the link out to friends and family and educating them on the importance of donating blood. Well, I was going to, um, before I ask you the next question, I was going to say Terry's been doing this a long time and she's, she is a pro, definitely a pro at it. Is there anything you want to add about organizing the blood drive? No, I think Stephanie, Stephanie talked perfectly about it. I do agree with what she said that, you know, awareness, it's all about awareness. And until you're touched by that need for blood, you know, you always think that somebody else is going to do it. And you always think that there's, 
you know, a nice, robust blood supply. The truth of the matter is that there's not. The, the, the blood supply is very precarious. At any moment, it could just, you know, drop below dangerous levels. And only, you know, 38% of the population is eligible to donate blood and only 5% do. So it's really small numbers of people who have taken up the cause, who have said yes, and they're doing it for everybody else. We just want everybody else to get on board and donate as well. If we could push that 5% to 7% or 10%, we would probably never have a blood shortage. Wow. Just a small jump. So, Stephanie, do you know how many people have donated through um, Drew Strikes Back blood drives? Last time I heard it was at the blood donor dinner and I was given a number of 350, which felt very overwhelming and Aww. very grateful that his story has inspired our, our friends and family and network to do that. And not only did they donate one time, you know, those 350 people, a lot of them have donated multiple times and just keep doing it every time they're eligible. So that's... That's fantastic. That is great. So much to your point, Stephanie, we're, we're all busy, um, and a lot of people just don't think about donating. What, what would you like people to know about um, why they should make the effort more than, you know, you, you said it so eloquently just a minute ago, but is there anything else that you would want them to know? Yeah, I think the slogan isn't just a slogan, you know, blood slaves lives, that, that says it all. I mean, there's no better reason. Yeah, great. Well, Terry, let's let's go back um, to you and talk about you know blood testing and need, and talk a little bit more about what's involved in keeping the hospital stocked uh, with a safe blood supply. I mean, you just gave some unbelievable stats as far as you know the the number in the population that is eligible and the ones then that do. That kind of shocked me a little bit to hear five percent. Um, how much testing is done to ensure that each pint is safe? So we have a license from the Food and Drug Administration because blood is considered a drug and they tell us all the tests that we need to do on every unit of blood. So most of the tests that we do, and there's about 13 of them, are really around diseases that can be transmitted via the blood supply. HIV, hepatitis, Zika. Um, in first quarter of 2020, we're adding a new um, test to our, our profile called Babesia which is a tick-borne illness. So it's been documented that it has potential to be transmitted via the blood supply. So we're gonna start doing that very much like we did in September of 2016 with Zika. So our goal is always to have a zero risk blood supply. The last thing that we wanna do is to make somebody who is sick, sicker. So we really work hard to test for everything that's relevant and everything that our regulator requires us to test for. So the testing is pretty extensive. So how involved is the actual process of donating? So donating the unit of blood takes a, we ask for about an hour, could be less. Um, we actually uh, will register you, we'll check and make sure that you've not been deferred in our system, told that you could not donate blood. Um, then we'll put you through a little mini physical. We'll ask you probably about 45 questions and then we'll do your blood pressure, pulse, um, temperature, and a test uh, that we call hemoglobin for your iron level. So if you pass all those tests, 
then we'll move you on to the actual donation. You know, people hear an hour or 30 minutes, but in reality, the needle is probably in your arm for five or 10 minutes. And our team is really great at placing that needle. Um, I won't say it's painless, but you know, when you think about everything that Drew has gone through in his short little life, you know, we can give five or 10 minutes of our time with a needle in our arm to donate a life-saving gift. Um, once the donation is complete you, um, and you feel okay, we move you on over into our refreshment area and give you as many cookies and juice and whatever we're having that day to make you feel well when you leave. The last thing that we want to do is have a donor walk out and not feel well. All of our requirements are um, really high. Uh, especially like our hemoglobin, we want to know that that donor has a lot of iron in their blood and that they can, they can give it away and still feel great when they're done. So that's really our goal and, um, you know, depend, depending on what your blood type is, we'll probably reach out to you in another 56 days and ask you to come back and do it all over again. That's what I was going to be. My next question was how often can someone donate? So every 56 days? You can donate whole blood every 56 days. That is a requirement from the Food and Drug Administration. It's enough time for the donor to rebuild the cells that they've so gracious, graciously donated. Um, if you donate platelets, you can donate every two weeks. Um, because we're not pulling off any of your red blood cells. And then um, donors who give uh, double red cells, where we just pull two units of red cells, they can do that every 112 days. So depending on what your blood type is, really kind of directs you to, what, to which donation platform we want you to be on. Well, I'm pretty competitive. I think the last time I was in there, I was um, the needle was in and out of my arm in probably four minutes and 28 seconds, if I remember correctly. So it really doesn't take a lot of time. And they do really have the best snacks, I will say. Um, so is there a good time to donate? Um, well, obviously, uh, let me step back. Summers are really hard for us. Um, about 30% of our blood comes from high school blood donors. So when school's out and everybody's on vacation and out having fun and working short work weeks, it's really hard for us to have enough blood drives out there and to collect enough blood. So summer is definitely a time that I would push people to. But the reality is we need it all the time, every day. Um, there is always a donor center open every single day. Um, we even have blood drives that go out on Christmas Day because our, our wonderful Jewish friends do um, a really nice blood drive for us every Christmas Day, and we're so grateful for that because blood has a shelf life. It doesn't last very long. Platelets are only good for five days, so it's a constant challenge to repl replenish that inventory. And, you know, we could look, we could have plenty of blood on our shelf one minute and have one bad trauma come in or something happen in one of our hospitals and our inventory can be depleted pretty quickly. Well, I, the other stat that I, I want to mention, too, is that you got, I always hear you say that one hour of your time can save up to three lives. Can yeah, absolutely. Three lives. And that's an amazing, amazing t statistic. 
Well, if you're ready to give the gift of donated blood, you can call 1-866-256-6372 to make an appointment, or you can visit anovablood.org to schedule online or learn more about donating blood. Thank you both for being here. Give Drew our love and lots of big hugs, and we'll see you next time on Anova Health Chat.